Hello and welcome to this episode of the Bullet Points Podcast. I am one co-host, Ed Smith. I'm joined by the other co-host, Reed McCarter. War. War has changed. That's actually not a bad impersonation. That's really bad. No, it's not. I was just... I was trying to capture the fact that David Hayter's voice in this one sounds like he has... I don't know. It's like someone like took a rusty piece of rebar and kind of like... You know, just like filed down his larynx a little mm. bit before he recorded every line. I remember being conflicted by that introduction for a lot of reasons, but primarily because uh, the game came out in 2008, which I think was also the same year that Fallout 3 came out. And in Metal Gear Solid 4, it opens with, War, war has changed. And then Fallout Three opens with <laughs> what was that? That what was, was that was really bad. Accent there. War, war, war has changed. <laughs> um, it sounds like a guy from uh, Senua game Hellblade. Oh, uh, it does. Just, war has changed, Senua. But Fallout Three opened with uh, War. War never changes. And I, d- I didn't know who to believe. I believe Solid Snake over. I think Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman in Fallout Three, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, not to give the game away, no pun intended. Today we're talking about Metal Gear Solid Four: Colon Guns of the Patriots. Um, this is continuing our series of podcasts to promote OK Hero, our upcoming book on the Metal Gear Solid series. You can go to bulletpointspodcast.com right now if you want to uh, to listen to the episodes on Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid Two, and Metal Gear Solid Three before you get into this one if you haven't heard them already. Uh, because today, I mean, we're going to be changing tone, I think, somewhat, because up until now, despite their flaws and things about them that we are not entirely convinced by or, you know, in love with, uh, I think we've been quite favourable, especially towards Metal Gear Solids 1 and 2, whereas I don't think either of us are particularly enamoured with 4. Uh, In fact, I remember when we first decided that we were going to do podcasts to promote the book and the idea of doing one on four had me kind of foaming at the mouth because I had so much that I wanted to criticize about it yeah real gamer rage real gamer rage yeah yeah I was just like pounding you know like Popeye when he eats a can of spinach mm-hmm. like that but with you know monster energy just pounding those back and hitting my keyboard um <laughs> I don't like Metal Gear Solid 4. I don't like it. I mean, I, I suppose it's kind of bad form, isn't it, to start a podcast by saying, you know, neither of us like this game because I, like the, the energy and the, the enthusiasm, I suppose, maybe takes a bit of a dive at that point. But actually, it's, I, I think there's still plenty to talk about. It's not like I'm disincentivized to discuss it. I just, I, I have so many things to talk about this game uh, that are all different, but they all kind of end in the same way, which is me saying, and that's why I don't like it. Well, I, I think, I mean... I don't like the idea. It sounds like we're like some sort of like we we sat down and said <laughs> opinion, my opinion of this, your opinion of this, and then met <laughs> and, and brought them together and said this is our collective opinion of these games. But I think you and I actually do have, for for my money, Metal Gear One and Two sort of tied as I like them both for very different different reasons but i think they're actually two of my favorite games ever made and then three i think is is pretty good and then four i think is 
this to me and writing <clears throat> writing the articles on these games like I went back and played through all of them I would play one and write about it and then play another one write about it um, and it's like very clear playing them all back to back to back that for me at least that four is sort of like this cutoff line of these games and maybe this is a place to start talking about them it feels like the people making them don't really want to be making them anymore that they're sort of confined by the idea is that they're having like creative ideas about what kind of game to make what kind of story to tell but it has to be metal gear mm. and i think at this point in this one you see the way and i think especially in this one i know you and i both wrote quite a bit about um, <clears throat> like fan expectations in this game mm. the idea that this was supposed to be the big conclusion to the series and so everything had to be wrapped up and it's just the stuff that's good about this game <clears throat> i don't know it, there's a there's a version of this game that i really like that doesn't exist that's interesting because i can remember i can remember when i read and proofed the article that you've written for the book how many times do you think i can mention that thing in in this episode uh, the book the book yeah the book which will be uh, available soon okay, here. Reason, reasonably priced I imagine reasonably priced great value and I'll tell you what I'll tell you something else Reed. Mm. Uh, a suitable for all ages as well I disagree <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't think a, a six year old is going to get a lot out of this book no there are pictures there are nice pictures there are pictures in there exactly there's something there for everyone it's kind of like a Pixar film where yes it's for the kids but the adults are laughing as well you know I'm going to show my four year old niece uh, Sushir's cover mm. to mm. <laughs> at the highest resolution uh, possible and I, and I want to see sort of her her take on her it her gut response I remember when I read your article and you you, you talked about something in that vein, that there's a version of this game that is actually quite good in an alternate universe where the first Metal Gear Solid is terrible and the fourth one is where it really becomes excellent. And I think I agree. There's something to be said about the way that all of the characters are presented in this game, the way that Snake is elderly and um, coughing all the time and dying and... Um, so is Raiden. Raiden's kind of being like held together by machines, and um, there's just this this sense of everyone on the wane, and that matches the idea that war is sort of unending, and this this endless attritional cycle of uh, death and violence. And there's something I think kind of Greek about the aging, dying hero being trotted out for one more battle to you know in a, in a final attempt to redeem him or herself and there is this sense of the climactic and the dramatic and the kind of epochal um, and there are, the, there are moments that you know the game brushes up a, a sort of genuine melancholy you know if you think about the, the closing scene or um, that might be it actually <laughs> uh, but there, there are times where you can see some really good ideas present in Metal Gear Solid 4 mm-hmm I think, however, that when I was replaying it and re-watching it and just kind of revisiting it generally, I was struck by how 
sort of self-sabotaging it is in places. So I'll give you an example. You remember that sequence where in the final part of the game, Raiden and Snake have to go on board, I can't remember the name of the ship now, but it's, you know, it's Ocelot's ship and it's where the computer is housed that's mm-hmm. helping him to run his whole operation. It's where the Patriots like, AI It's like is. Arsenal Gear 2.0. Yeah, exactly. And Raiden and Snake are having this kind of, you know, you go, I'll hold them back, heart to heart. And it's quite, you know, it, it is very dramatic and it's, again, like quite climactic and visually it's kind of striking because like Raiden's got no arms. You know, he's just like this machine now that can survive without any arms, but he's just sort of beaten down and being barely held together and Snake's sort of hacking and coughing and grey and, you know, he's got to crawl through that sort of microwave chamber that almost kills him in order to get to the Patriot computer. Mm. But while they're having that conversation, circling around their ankles is that tiny little <laughs> robot that mm-hmm. Otacon lives inside. <laughs> and it's like wheeling around and like flapping its arms and keeps like, mm-hmm. you know, every time they, they do that joke about 80 times where it kind of like goes, and it goes round a corner and it goes a bit too fast and it kind of leans over onto one leg and then yeah. and then goes back onto two legs. And it's kind of doing that, and there's just there are there are myriad scenes in this game, where it's a real it's a crowd pleaser. It's trying really hard to ple- if you think about the the ending cutscene, which is like a, a euphemistic term for Metal Gear Solid Four. It doesn't have cutscenes, you know. It's got cut films. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time. It, between putting down the controller and the the end credits, there's there is like an hour and twenty minutes, and in that hour and twenty minutes, you know, you have like Snake killing himself and then not killing himself. You've got like Meryl getting married. You've got Raiden visiting Rose and his you know reunish, uh, reuniting with his family. And there's just so much. It's a game that absolutely can't let anything go. Or any yeah. any characters go. You know, Naomi comes back, Mei Ling comes back, Vamp comes back, Campbell comes back, like Liquid Snake comes back, Ocelot comes back, Eva comes back, Big Boss comes back, Major Zero comes back, and <laughs> Shadow Moses comes. back. Shadow Moses um, comes back. Metal Gear Rex comes back. Ray. Comes Metal Gear back. Ray comes back. It's just like everybody in. Every boss. I mean, Psycho Mantis and yeah. Sniper Wolf are reimagined. They get a shout. Well, the Psycho Mantis one is just like it's it's a repeat of of it. Johnny Sasaki <sighs> comes back. What a welcome that's, return to a hilarious form. That's there's a lot to talk to talk about. In the why this game. And I, why this game sucks so much. I, the other, the other sequence that that before I, I I'm talking too much, but before um, I kind of throw that point over to you, the other thing that really struck me on revisiting the game was: Do you remember that scene where <clears throat> Snake meets Eva in? Is it St. Petersburg or it's in Russia or somewhere? It's <laughs> Russia or somewhere. It's Eastern Europe. It's I Eastern think it's Europe. supposed to be maybe Prague. Okay. And they because meet, of the bridge. They meet in a church. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of telling the story of 
what happened in Metal Gear Solid 3 basically and how it changed the world and the significance of the boss and her prophecies and what the sacrifice that she made actually means in this in the sense of the, the, the present that the characters are now living in. And while she's speaking about this in a in a church or in a cathedral, that we get these like B roll shots of paintings and like stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. And they're depicting characters and figures from the Metal Gear Solid games. So it's like there's a painting on the wall in the church that is like the poster for Metal Gear Solid Three. Um and there's like a painting where you know the boss has got this sort of um, this very kind of Michelangeloian halo, you know, behind her and things like that. And not only does it make no sense in a sort of canonical, you know, I, I can suspend my disbelief, but there is a certain level of sense that you have to make in order for me to enjoy it, kind of way. Not only does it not make sense on those terms, how self-important and sort of conceited is that game I think that's what it smacks of like there's such a kind of bloviating self-obsession present throughout well, Metal Gear like, Solid 4 there are two things that makes me think of and the one is that that place does exist in the real world and it is where we are recording this right now <laughs> or and we should touch on this because there are a lot of people who who love reading all the Metal Gear games as reflections on Kojima's career as metatextual commentaries, which I think is is fine, whatever, it's valid. There's there's stuff supporting it. Um, I find that to be a really a, a reading I, I am not like super thrilled by. I think it bypasses a lot of what's most interesting about these games. Um, but you know, they're like in the church of metal gear they are in like kojima studios surrounded by promotional material Mm. for what they've made over the years i don't think that's particularly interesting it's the same thing with snake being trotted out to you know one more mission that he doesn't want to go on he's dying and he's old and he's you know it's like the entire idea of metal gear is becoming tiring um but that stuff's there i don't think it's super interesting um but i think about some of this stuff and there is something i kind of touched on a little bit in what i wrote but there's almost a sense in this game at a certain point that the game is um a parody of itself Mm -hmm. but then it loses any joy that might come from being a parody of itself by taking itself incredibly seriously um trying to think of the best way to describe this like the metal gear games were always criticized for having long cutscenes, and in this one they're saying okay put down the controller for an hour and a half i think there's the one at the end of the eastern europe chapter um where ocelot does the finger guns thing I think that one runs, if I'm remembering right, I think that one is like pretty much the length of a movie. And then the ending, which has, you know, a long conclusion, and then it has an epilogue, and then it has like, an a- like a denouement, and then it has like an afterword mm. after that. Mm. Like it just, it almost seems like, it's just like, this is what you want, this is, or 
you know the the fan service stuff oh here's meryl she's back um we find out what her relationship with snake was and why she was gone and now she's getting married and you're gonna watch it and you're gonna watch her reconcile with campbell and you're gonna see ryden and rose and their kid um you're gonna like it's almost like making fun of people's desire to see all of this by saying we're going to give it all to you in the most ridiculous way it's just going to keep happening um but then it does i think this game also is trying to be a good metal gear game as well i think it so reading it as like a parody doesn't quite work because it does take itself too seriously i think to be that kind of parody Mm. I also think about that in terms of the awful, like the Beauty and the Beast squad, mm. where, you know, they, when they're dying, or I think Drebin gives you their backstories, and their backstories are like all Metal Gear bosses, tragic backstories, but like amped up mm. a million times so that someone's like hiding in a pile of corpses eating dead bodies or something. Yeah. You know, it's it's just like how severe can you make these how melodramatic and over the top but yeah i i don't know i think ultimately the game is trying to be something more than that so i don't know if that redeems it as as being sort of like poking fun at itself i i don't think it's poking fun at itself at all i think that it it genuinely believes in the the sort of majesty and and importance and like classicism of its own law and its own relevance and I think that that is evident in some of the moments you've just mentioned especially the the way that every character is given a very extended um, introduction and sort of outroduction and the way that everything I, I don't think there's anything in this game that you could call you know concise it's all kind of turgid and mawkish and um <clears throat> like garrulous and enjambment you know it just it just goes on and on and on um because i think that there's nobody there's nobody behind the scenes it seems like saying that's enough now i remember when mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a british film critic called mark commode and he was reviewing I think the original or maybe the second Pirates of the Caribbean film and he described Johnny Depp's performance as Jack Sparrow as an undirected performance. He said you know it doesn't work because he's just allowed to go out there and and just go on and on and on and be as large and silly as he wants and it gets really tiresome because nobody's kind of got the guts almost to say don't do that. Yeah and like novelists of a certain stature as well. Absolutely. You you can just feel that it, they're not being edited as thoroughly as, as as you would someone who hasn't proven themselves and I, you know quote unquote proven themselves i think metal gear solid 4 is is that it's an unedited game it's an unedited script it's an undirected uh, production mm-hmm. almost and that's again it it's evident in the the way that the return to the shadow moses level is you know it's an impressive moment and it, it you know it does it does pull on your heartstrings a little bit but they've you know they sort of talk about Shadow Moses and as a like a 
like Jerusalem. You know what I mean? It's like returning to the promised land. It's returning to the origins of the, like the cradle of civilization, like the Tigris River. You know what I mean? It's like the cradle of civilization. And the the one that really gets me, the one that really sort of, and I've talked to you about it before and laughed with you about it before, but this is the moment that I think sums up just how undeservingly and like blindly proud of themselves the creators of Metal Gear Solid are by the time that they're making Metal Gear Solid 4 is that bit oh. you know the other you know the one I mean mm-hmm. so Meryl <laughs> Meryl <laughs> and her colleagues are soldiers in a unit called uh, Rat Patrol Rat Patrol Zero Rat Patrol Zero One, <clears throat> and then, uh, in and then the 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 shady force that's meant to be kind of directing everything that goes on in the world and directing all of the wars and perpetuating all of the wars is the Patriots, right? And it's revealed in the the one of the ending cutscenes that the Patriot that the Rat Patrol Zero One were unwittingly operating on behalf of the patriots their their efforts that they made to destroy the patriots were actually some example of the will of the the patriots something like that basically they were working for the patriots without realizing it and then drebin who looks like the musician cisco he he shows otico <laughs> That him and Otacon are standing at the airport, and Drebin writes uh, "Rat Patrol Zero One in the dirt with a stick, <laughs> and then he goes, you know, he says they didn't even realise. And Otacon's like, "What do you mean?" And then Drebin sort of <laughs> throws a blanket across Rat Patrol Zero One, and it changes to the word "Patriot." <laughs> it's like, and everyone in the <laughs> audience is supposed to go like, "Oh my, oh my God." Oh, I never. Oh, it says Patriots. Oh, well, that, well, that's very clever. Well, well, they didn't realise all along. This is. I've. That's extremely shrewd. <laughs> well done. But all he's done. It, <laughs> all they've done. It's an anagram. Is make an anagram of Patriot. It's not like they wrote it was called Rat Patrol and then later on realised that that spelled Patriot. They just. They've just. It's such a contrivance. But the game really wants you to be absolutely like you know dumbstruck by the genius that they've made an anagram and it's it's like when you realize that you know neo is an anagram of one in the matrix you know, oh my oh my god <laughs> well <laughs> he was we should have seen it coming then oh that's so that's that's really oh that's incredible it says patriots <laughs> it's, uh, isn't there like a harry potter one as well is there like something with tom riddle i think but I, I remember seeing, and I think this is maybe a, a good comparison of like why I find it so funny. I remember seeing some play, and I forget what it was—an adaptation of something like a children's book. When I was in, you know, maybe grade one or two, mm. um, like this theater production, they took all, you know, took our class to it some afternoon, and I remember there was something where a character like the words evil were really big on something mm. and then he changed them around so it said live and it was mm. like blows a seven or eight year old's mind mm, apart. wow yeah just the the 
because it's also maybe one of the first times you've encountered an anagram yeah <laughs> so the uh the dramatic potential <laughs> is is really high when you're it's endless when you're, when you're a child who doesn't know how rain happens you know, yeah it's, how um, sausages are made yeah yeah it's the ceremony with which the game <laughs> presents the rat patrol slash patriot moment that tells me how i think pleased everyone you know in a sort of high create high ranking creative capacity on that game is with themselves because they think that that's genuinely like a really mind-bending intelligent moment um i mean it kind of it follows up with it's a good encapsulation too i think of this game needing to tie up everything every single bit like this is something obviously they did for this game but you know there's everything at the end of the game you're you're fine with what's happening snake is fighting liquid ocelot which is already you know enough of a enough of a thing but it has to turn out that snake has actually been guided i think uh liquid ocelot it's like the hypnosis on top of hypnosis so yeah and so, <laughs> fucking hell like it's just ugh. there's so much Sorry. there's so much in the game that is in response to response to previous games right so obviously a lot of people complained about that kind of hand of orac uh conceit in Metal Gear Solid 2 that that Ocelot was being mentally controlled by the arm of Liquid Snake um, so they've kind of panicked about that and it's it's okay we, we've, we've sorted it uh, he wasn't being controlled by the arm at all he'd hypnotised himself to have elements and characteristics of Liquid Snake which he then said was a result of the arm in order to deceive the Patriots into thinking that he had gone insane so they wouldn't pay him as much attention. And then there was... Yeah, so Snake can fight him as a way of fighting the Patriots. The... the, um, Sort of. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Uh, And then obviously nobody liked Raiden in Metal Gear Solid 2. So now he's... You know he's the ninja from the first game, um, but even even in quotation marks cooler, um, because you know sure. we want to we want to redeem him for the fans. And there's just so there's such an enormous amount of I don't like because it's just a cliche term. It's like a it's something that people say in in reviews, but I, I there's so much fan service in Metal Gear Solid 4. It's it's dying. It is suffocating under the weight of what it feels are its own obligations. But, see, what's interesting to me, though, is that I think after Metal Gear Solid 1, um, <clears throat> and even Metal Gear Solid 1, I think to a degree, if you had played the first two Metal Gears, um, but I think a lot of people hopped on with Metal Gear Solid 1, um, or at least people around our age, um, but each of these games have kind of responded to themselves. Mm. Like obviously, Metal Gear Solid Two, I think, is it's part of what makes it really interesting is that it is a response to 
the first game. Mm. You know, to the point of of recreating and tweaking uh, elements of the first game. But it's doing this to like, for a very specific purpose. And it's doing things in order to sort of say you want you want these old things brought back but we're going to make you feel uncomfortable in the process mm. um you know like obviously the end date with the colonel ai freaking out and saying all this strange stuff and and the fact that raiden is referred to as snake over and over like par- partially these are things that are meant to be sort of throwing you off your desire for you know like the fan service stuff um and then in four i think they do bits of it and i think there are interesting things like snake prematurely aging so that hey you get to play a solid snake again here for the first time since metal your solid one but he's an old man who you know has gray hair and a mustache he looks like i don't know he looks like a he looks like a real asshole he looks like some sort of um world war ii grandpa mm-hmm. who's mean um so he he's back you're playing as him but now he's old snake you know he's not the cool one with the bandana and they even give you you know at the beginning of the uh eastern european mission they give you the youthful snake mask and then he starts coughing and hacking and um doesn't it blip out because it's like the optical mm-hmm. camouflage mm-hmm. mask mm-hmm. Like, there are things there, and the same thing with Raiden. Like, oh, you thought Raiden was, you know, girly or something, I think is the the complaint they took to heart in very kind of uncomfortable ways. But they try to respond to it by saying, look at him, he's a incredible action hero now. But also he's, you know, his jaw is made of metal that starts, like, he does that thing it's like a cat when it sees a, a squirrel at a window mm. where it starts like shaking and he's like spitting out this white like nano blood or whatever it mm. is like he's not he's not a, he's like barely himself anymore you know they're saying here he is he's cool now but he's he's this um kind of like tragic figure that's dying in a horrible way at least until the end, you know. And that's the thing, is at the end of all of this, is they're saying, here are these things that are kind of subverting your expectations in some ways, and then it's, no, Snake is fine. You mm. know, he's, uh, he's going to make it. It's going to be fine, even though he's old. And don't worry about riding. Here he is again. He's, uh, he's healthier now, and he's, he's ready to live his life. Like, all of these things just end up being to no avail. Like it's just like there's like a timidity to it that well I, I think that that's encapsulated by the fact that in the final final scene Big Boss comes back so I mean pretty much every event in the entire Metal Gear Solid series is catalyzed by the death of, the absence of him and then they bring him back and that sort of invalidates or at least makes it feel like you can safely care less about things that have happened in other games and then what Big Boss says is that everything that went on is because of this guy and he wheels in Major Zero from Metal Gear Solid 3 who is like the comic relief 
character more or less in that game and you know like a, a really sort of tertiary figure i think you know he's i mean he's like he's basil he's the colonel from the first game but with less yes exactly from austin powers right yeah he's the colonel and but with less to do with the plot with much less to do with the plot and you know he's not i just it was inexplicable to me well he's also <laughs> spoilers for the next two games too he's also the primary villain it turns out of the next two games and but that's just that's an example though isn't retrospectively. it retrospectively oh yeah that's that uh, that is just it's you treading know, water uh, it's, um... it's it's closing the door after the horse is bolted because you don't know any of that by the t- when you play Metal Gear Solid 4 in 2008 and I did and big boss wheels in major zero it's like I don't know it's like uh, who shot Sonny Corleone it was the guy selling oranges in the in the background of the scene where Fredo fails to stop Don Corleone getting shot you know what i mean it's it's just it's like twin peaks the return if i it turned out to be i don't know a background extra at the diner yeah was and and there was really nothing else going on it just and it turns out they were up to something the entire time the entire time yeah um i it's and it's i'm not entirely sure it comes from i think that desire in this game to tie everything up and make sure that nothing is left to question which is which is such a boring impulse, and I think that also just a, it's an impossible thing to achieve with Metal Gear Solid. You know, part of its appeal to me, and part of the appeal of the first and second games, is the sort of ambiguous or the ambiguity, and the interpretativeness, and the kind of disregard for logic and familiarity and explanations. And then by the time we get to Metal Gear Solid 4, the series is so... It's it's a weird parody, paradox between enormous insecurity where they feel obliged to respond to everything that fans have ever said and to resolve everything that they've ever set in motion narratively. And you know, contrasted with what we were talking about earlier, which is this extremely reverent self-regard this kind of narcissistic way of writing this this turgid mawkish you know extremely sort of polysyllabic way that they have of writing and i in the past when we've talked and written about the first and second and third games that sort of clash of you know aesthetics and intentions and things like that have actually made the games really worthwhile and interesting in this one um, it feels like I, I I'm, I'm playing something that nobody has any idea what it is or what they want it to be. Um, I think partially too. I was thinking about when you're, you know, you think of things like every every character has to kind of be involved with something, and in order to make a sequel where the plot 
is elaborated upon not just in terms of this is what happened next but it's also this is what how what happened in the past informs what's happening now which i think has always been a metal gear thing <clears throat> it's like one of the most interesting things about the series i think even when the games like the last three of them fall flat is that they're always kind of aware of how the past informs the present whether that's like in a historical sense or whether that's in the sense of how characters relationships and you know their past traumas or or successes have informed who they are at present and the way they act um it's just like a very i think holistic way of of making characters who feel like real people who making a fiction that is sort of ridiculous and sci-fi feel grounded um but because of the same tendency too you know it's not enough for Metal Gear Solid 4 to say this is what happens next in the story it's ending um and it's a good tendency to say here's why this matters in the grand scheme of things here's why this isn't just the final chapter and then and then and then it's it's also saying this is why this has to happen in the context of everything that came before but there's at least in this game too like an unwillingness to introduce new characters or sort of like unfamiliar mm. unnamed characters who don't need to exist in order to get that across so when you get to the end of the game and they want to say you know here um everything going back to sort of the second world war and the cold war which i think is sort of the genesis for how Metal Gear Solid views like the present day how it views all of all of the international conflict that's going on that's commenting on instead of saying that going back to this time this is how these things started happening this is how that period and these people affected this they can take out the old action figures and say well now this one can fly you know mm. it's they take zero and say well actually this sort of like nobody character who doesn't need to continue to be in this it turns out he's the kind of like arch patriot cipher or whatever um and it has to all come from that you know and then his name has to take on bigger meaning and it turns out that sigan is the darpa chief and paramedic is uh who is she she's like i think she ends up being one of the characters and but anyway like the support team in metal gear 3 is ends up being like the proto patriots mm. right like it's just all of this stuff that you don't need that just leave those characters alone mm. they're they're <laughs> they were in those games that's enough you know they can reference like the big characters like it's understandable why they make like the boss and big boss and snake be these like enormous kind of figures of different eras and you know the way that like the boss's will is kind of like fought over i think is actually an interesting idea to be like how do you interpret sort of the dogma of how to survive the cold war world but it's like they're just they bring in new ideas and they're not bringing new characters into it mm. it's i don't know and this i think is part of why peace walker is a little bit and obviously we'll talk about this after but it's a little bit more successful and why five and ground zeros are not is peace walker at least says we want to look at other stuff hey back during this time here are people who 
you haven't heard of before who fill these roles mm. um i don't know but that ties into i think the sense that this is supposed to be the last game this was let's give people what they want so everything that happened before matters to some i don't know it feels like organizing a shelf or something this game the way it chooses to wrap things up mm. with these characters i like that i think organizing a shelf is a really good way of putting it it, it feels like um yeah building the perfect tomb for the metal gear solid series but like i i, I still think that the way that they <clears throat> recycle and extend the significance of old characters and old plot lines it still speaks to me of a certain narcissism and a certain um, like uh, like pig-headedness and a certain maybe culture creatively of the writer and director refusing or, or not being in other, for other reasons challenged on anything. Uh, it feels out of control, I think, Metal Gear Solid 4. This, this kind of brings me am I cutting you off? No not at all asking? not at all um, this kind of brings me because I wanted to talk about some of the stuff in this game that I think is good because I do think there are elements of this game that are worthwhile I think they are drowned out by all of this other stuff which is why you know we've been talking about it and why I think it's sort of the biggest topic with this game but um, when I think about the things that work in this game and what you're talking about there to me it feels like a team who have new ideas and they're not <laughs> they're sort of like not for whatever reason uh, their own or otherwise they're not given the space to say let's make these new ideas in a different context than Metal Gear that they're being asked to or they're deciding on their own volition that you know it, it's making a sequel where a new setting would help you know um they have to force everything into metal gear it has to be this idea about like modern warfare in this game and and what it's trying to say about war it sure you can make it a metal gear thing but i think a lot of the ideas in this game would have been better served if it was just something new entirely that wasn't beholden to you know uh, a decade plus or I guess it goes back to the 80s so almost two decades of of existing fiction that they have to incorporate do you know what I mean by that? I do but I so like so go on sorry no I was going to say like part of some of what I think is a failure in this game um and the next two Metal Gear games um, are that they have to be Metal Gear games, mm. that they can't be something else, mm. that they can't be exploring these topics without it being like kind of rammed into this existing timeline or whatever. I agree. Um, I think that the, the, the Metal Gear name is something of a prison in this one. Um, and... 
I do think as well what you said there about it feels like there are ideas maybe from other people that aren't managing to like get in or get through as a result of the sort of Metal Gear license, the Metal Gear property. Um, that to me seems very contrary to the second Metal Gear Solid game uh, where I remember watching this little documentary DVD that came with the special edition and they distributed notepads to everyone who was working on it and they were free to put in any idea that they had for the game and there are several ideas that made it into the final game that were you know originated in these these notepads that people had to file on a weekly basis you know um, and it felt like quite collaborative I'm not saying that that's a, a, a naturally better or like more moral more kind of auspicious way to work but it, it highlights I think a big difference between this game and the second whereby in Metal Gear Solid 2 the Metal Gear license the Metal Gear universe feels like license to do so much you know it feels like such like a, a broad canvas it feels so free that you get this extremely diverse and, and abstract and exciting vivid collection of ideas in that game whereas by the time we get to the fourth one it feels the other way around it feels like it's so leaden and encumbering and impossible to well, escape from under and even three has some of that too i think saying hey they ended two on what can be read as a big cliffhanger mm. um and then said no no no, like we're going back going back to a cold war setting and you're playing as big boss mm. instead is, is something that's like well this is this is kind of unexpected it's um kind of has more vitality to it and then every other game from that point forward is let's explore areas of the chronology that have already been kind of filled in yeah and i you know like it oh sorry i was just going to say oh no i've forgotten what i was going to say oh damn it it was something about the fourth game again specifically and i can't remember what it was oh yeah it was it was about actually the mechanics of the fourth one which is after you meet the Drebin character, um, you can you know he he buys and sells weapons. He feels very inspired to me by the Merchant from Resident Evil Four, which was you know a, like hugely successful game at the time. Um, and Cisco, and Cisco of course, yeah, and the Naked Gun films because his name's Drebin. Um, and I I remember that after you've met Drebin, you can go into the sort of pause or the inventory menu at any time you don't have to it's not like the merchant in resident evil 4 where you can only interact with him you know when you meet him you can go into your menu at any time and buy ammunition and guns and anything that you need and the currency the in-game currency that you used to buy it that you use to buy it is like richly available mm-hmm. so the isn't it even called like gbp yeah something which, like that yeah <laughs> Great British pounds. Yeah. And it basically eradicates and invalidates all of the mechanics, all of the the sort of game aspect of Metal Gear Solid 4. Because in the past where these games were kind of about a you know lone agent behind enemy lines, rough and tumble, survival, grasping for resources kind of thing, and about sneaking, um, now... In Metal Gear Solid 4, you can, you know, you've got free or, or easily available access to a limitless amount of weapons and ammunition. 
And I think that that says so much because it, it's almost like the game insisting that the the play aspects of this are not really what we're but we just want to get you through the bits where you're interacting um and sort of speed I, those up kind of disagree with you on that Wait, i think but it feels like so little attention has gone into the play sections and that they're, they're made kind of so so easy and so kind of you can game them you can sort of cheat them in a way that makes them sort of just very passe because there's so much law and writing that they need to get through that it's like that there's no time given to thinking about how to make the game itself actually challenging. See, to me, like the... I've always thought that... I guess it's essentially the first, second, and fourth chapter are the ones that you kind of... Do you actually play? Yeah, the third one you walk around in a trench coat and then you... I think man a turret and fight a boss and then the fifth one you infiltrate for about five seconds and then fight some bosses i think um but to me i've always felt like the parts where you're playing it in the first and second chapters especially are like bursting with ideas that you never are given a chance to explore um like the the automatic camouflage um and the things with the robot being able to send it out and scout and uh, lots of different things like about Snake's psyche. Like the one thing I really like is that with the automatic weapon or inventory stuff where you can just buy stuff, buy ammunition and unlock uh, guns and so forth, is that to me like the big idea in this game that I think is really compelling that is really underused is that the battlefield and this sounds like back of the box marketing quote to say it like this but you know the battlefield is your camouflage in this game um but i think it's a really compelling idea especially narratively here that instead of hiding in vents and um behind crates or in tall grass and up in trees and so forth in this game you're kind of like creeping through bodies and you are trying to be on one side of a battle or the other um, or to slip by kind of like in plain sight as people are fighting i think the game is saying that like stealth in this instance like infiltrating a battlefield isn't about being kind of quiet and unnoticed anymore it's about this is just like a constant state this war that's going on and it's kind of become the environment itself and so snake is it's not about him trying to find weapons because weapons are everywhere mm. you know there are people who get hit by like tank rounds that you're running by and they just sort of explode with items um and so to me it's 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 almost like okay here here's everything um but it doesn't matter in the sense that there are just guns and bullets everywhere in this game it's it's like sort of marking it as being separate from what came before and to me that stuff works i i understand what you mean by it being because a lot of it like looks quite a bit like the other games in terms of just like the ui and you're still crouching or 
or like shimmying around and trying to camouflage it and everything so it feels strange it almost feels like a disregard when they're saying you can just buy this stuff now too but i don't know that aspect of it actually works for me that's interesting because i i haven't thought about that uh, i don't think since i read your your piece because you talked about how um yeah you're, you you kind of exist on the periphery of a lot of the game's big battles it kind of presents these big fights and then you're sneaking through them and around them and you're um kind of spectral and that feeds into some of the the game thematically i agree i think that 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 is that is one of the things that it's doing sort of mechanically and interactionally that is um more novel um but also i think feels like such a sidebar to the the rest of the game to all of the the speech and and writing and noise and lore and um sort of self-celebration as opposed to self-parody those, those first two chapters though i think <clears throat> like whenever i've replayed this game which i can tell how much i care about these games because <laughs> it's like the first three that i've played and the first one i've played it a bazillion times and the second one close to it and the third a whole bunch and this one i've played maybe like four or five times which is a lot but it's also not as much because it's not it's not enjoyable to go through over and over um and then the other one's even less so um but whenever i play it i'm kind of struck by i think oh well why don't i like this game more because I think I played the first, especially that opening, I think is really strong. Uh, with Snake in this, I think he's in a flatbed truck and he's doing that monologue about this is reality now. Um, and people just fight constantly. There are just these wars that are just being spurred on by, you know, the state of like perpetual conflict. That's kind of the end point of where things are left at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 where they're saying like you know blah 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 pomo stuff about how war and and identity and sort of like emotion everything has been abstracted so much that people are just fighting now for reasons that they can barely understand and they're being spurred on by these outside forces that are encouraging this to happen snake like kind of coming into that and there's a good song that plays um the only memorable song from this game i think and then him just kind of sneaking through this unnamed Middle Eastern city that looks a whole lot like it's supposed to be Baghdad, maybe. Um, I think is really strong imagery, especially in 2008. And it feels like this game is really kind of doing something vital. And then the second chapter has a lot of these same kind of things going on. And then it's like it just starts getting swallowed up more and more and more like as the exposition just takes over everything Mm. but like that stuff i find i think is is worth kind of picking out from all of this and and saying you know there are things here that aren't you know that don't fall into the same categories as everything else we've talked about i think yeah i mean my memories of that even the first chapter are largely you know uh, long cut scenes of the colonel talking to snake aboard a plane uh a cut scene of johnny having a shit in a barrel um 
and a long cutscene at the end with Liquid Ocelot and I can't remember many things that I did as a player really I mean I really can't um, I can't remember I can remember in abstracts sort of sections of the game that were interactive but I can't really remember any specifically like very distinctive interactive sequences there's nothing that leaps to memory like say you know the the Nikita floor puzzle thing in the first game right or um, you know uh, the going into the room that's full of guards in the second one to find that guy Ames or the you know like what we talked about last week I don't know the ocelot boss fight in in three like there's I, I agree with you I think that there's such a really there's such a, an interesting sort of idea there in abstract and the first and second sections are definitely the strongest uh, just in terms of like a balance between watching and playing even um, and it does feel like that's when you can be optimistic about this game because it seems to be on the bill towards something more interesting. But then it does, especially in like the third chapter, towards the end of the second chapter and the third chapter, it kind of abandons so much of that stuff to return to, you know, old faces and old plots mm-hmm. and old mm-hmm. ideas. Um, and the other thing that I, I tell you, what, we're almost at time. Another thing that frustrated me about it. And it, this is this is quite a petty gripe, um, but I don't know what it is about Metal Gear Solid Four that I find quite visually unappealing. Yeah, I there's something about I don't know if it's the the, the engine or the the characters and how they're designed, but there's something about it that I think is supremely ugly. The the the, the characters all look kind of rubbery. That the environments are, are all kind yeah. of like of one texture. Um, when I was trying to acquire screenshots for it to use, you know, alongside our articles, it was a, a, a more difficult job than. Well, I was going to say as well that this is kind of unnecessary behind the scenes ishness, but um, in in trying to do kind of edit those screenshots and looking at what are the kind of predominant color palettes for each of these games, which are so distinctive, mm. especially in the first three. You know, the first three is all these purples and blues and uh, like the snow and the second has all these sunsets and uh, sun rising and sun setting and all the blue water around everything and the third game is all jungle-ish and has these uh, sort of red concrete and brick all over the place and this one when you look at stuff to find and I think Peace Walker and 5 have more of a visual identity than, than this one I think this one is notably ugly in a series that I think is usually visually interesting, if nothing else. Um, yeah, this one, <laughs> I think it was like, well, it's kind of like a, a brown and like a sky, the color of like an overcast day, <laughs> or uh, the color palettes here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is, I don't think that's petty. I think part of the joy of, I think even in Ground Zeroes and Five, I think in five especially the way that uh that boss snake looks in that game is part of like what makes it kind of fun to control him Mm. you know he has like a very striking character design in that game with his little top nod and 
eye patch and the the shrapnel sticking out of his head. Um, I think that's always been part of Metal Gear that people respond to. Like really strong character design. Yeah, and it just doesn't seem anywhere near to as present in the fourth one as it does elsewhere. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't like this game. <laughs> I, just, I just don't like this game at all. Um, I'm not I'm not a big fan. I don't want to be. I don't think it's. No, I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think it's wholly irredeemable. I think when you play this. There are good aspects of it, but it's like, if this wasn't a Metal Gear game, it, you would just say, well, who cares? Yeah, yeah. I, I have no compunction about being um, relentless with this one and just throwing it under the bus. Because there are other things that about it that I, I find, you know, really like quite ugly and odious. You know, the way that the camera sort of leers at the, yeah. the women characters in the game. And... Um, we- didn't even well it's because we talked about that i think in relation to the third game um but it's even more kind of pornographic here i i think also this game especially and this was another thing i was kind of struck by in terms of the way women are portrayed in these games it gets uglier and uglier from this game forward Mm. um peace walker i think has has elements that are to me sort of like almost negate the idea of discussing it at all in terms of uh sexualization of minors Mm. which i know there are quite a few games that like to play around with how to do that without you know giving themselves an asterisk next to it which peace walker does um and five i think is you know sure we'll talk talk about it but it's boss and his companions dog robot horse woman Mm. um there's a lot of stuff in this game i think is is really um if you want to make defenses for certain things in three i think you could plausibly and then i think going forward it just becomes more sort of leering and just just ugly just unpleasant Mm. like just sort of i don't know you can say pornographic but not even in a in a fun way for everyone mm. it's more just a mean sort of like degrading mm. and old-fashioned sort of like the the women in these games like the way that rose and meryl and uh, there are other examples mailing who is implied to have been she shows up in this game and she's a, a captain right but she's sort of slightly inept mm. it's implied that she slept with her way to the top mm. because that's i guess the only way that a genius could get that post and you know rose who was already on the cusp but there was at least some narrative context in two now she's a in order to keep attention off of her child from the patriot she essentially <laughs> like shacks up with campbell yeah and meryl is at the end of the day, she just wants to, you know, to settle down with a good man. Mm. Like, oh my god, there's this, yeah, this this game's also lousy with that stuff too, and it's it's just kind of like eye rolling at best and ugly at worst. Mm. Yeah, so I, I have no no uh, reservations about just dumping on it completely because I I I, I think that it 
it um it doesn't care either. I feel like it doesn't care. Um which I, I which is something I wouldn't say even for five. Uh four really, really does feel careless and, and just like like I said before, like out of control and disinterested. Um Anyway, on that note <laughs> On that note Here in terms of uh, just give me good or bad on a few things. Okay. We'll just tidy up some loose ends here. Okay. In, in, I think, a way that's appropriate to Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. Sort of a uh, Metal Gear Wikia, the game. Mm. Um, okay, so you tell me good or bad. Mm. The guy who has the mohawk that's an exclamation point and when he sits up and it makes the noise. Uh, bad. Um, the monkey in the diaper. Bad. Hmm. Um, I see you with the hand signs. Uh, that works. They're words and actions, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, return to Shadow Moses as a, just a, a concept. Not on its own, no. Okay, um, um... Microwave hallway. Yes, that works. It's very hot. <laughs> it's, uh, here's me complaining, just brief aside, me complaining constantly about in this game about like the kind of the plot hole type design of this thing, like the the IMDb message boards type design of this. Mm. But that he, why didn't they send a robot down that hallway? Mm. Yeah, indeed. Snake Snake actually does nothing except get horribly injured yeah uh sam raiden you know he's at least yeah, he's, he's more resilient if they need like a human being to plug something in or something send but they raiden. don't but they the don't the robot does it all anyway i know so just, <laughs> just just send the robot it's almost like they're playing like a, a really horrible practical joke joke on snake yeah just like yeah watch him watch him <laughs> he gets through watch him crawl down the hallway now like a fucking idiot go on watch him <laughs> i know um Okay, there are other things. There are other things. Come on, come on. I'm blanking now. Uh, uh. The the little the little boy who has Ryden's haircut. Not very good. Uh. Sunny, the character Sunny, one of the few new characters. No, she doesn't work. She. She. It's the eggs thing. Yeah, well, I was going to say good or bad. So, sunny, bad? Sunny, bad. Eggs? Good. They have protein. Eggs as depicted in Metal Gear Solid 4. Not very good. Uh, snakes attempts to quit smoking. Admirable, but boring. As a plot point, as a, as a piece of art. Uh, negli- negligible. I think those are the worst. I, it's clearly established this man's dying, and he's continuing to do his best. And he's not a—he's not drinking. He's not using drugs. You know why isn't he? Let they should have—they should have like thrown him with that. He should have been absolutely wrecked in Metal Gear Solid Four. He should have been on like twenty-five a day, drunk. Because he's <laughs> near the end. You know, do do Imagine something that, with it. Yeah, yeah, do something with he's it. He's just. Um. 
Um, uh, God, that led me to something else. Snake's backaches as a game mechanic. Yes. Uh, the psych gauge. No. Uh, I think we're. I think that's about it. There, there are things I'm missing, but I, I think that's about it. I'll, I'll do a few for you. Uh, Snake's iPod. Sure. Bad. Um, I don't like when games give you the option to listen to whatever music you feel like, unless it's from a playlist that was curated for the game. This game does that, but it also says, "Hey, you can listen to like Metal Gear Solid Two music." Like, no, I'm not playing Metal Gear Solid Two. Give me a break. Yeah, it's it's like, well by that token. The fist fight at the end with the different health bars. Good. With an asterisk. Wow. In theory, it's fine to say here is uh, running Nemesis who even as the plot gets more and more like labyrinthine, this is still the guy. These two want to fight each other. And that I think is an expression of nostalgia with like the changing music and changing health bars mm. is fun. Mm. Okay. It's the way it's colored by everything else about this game, I think that makes it anyway, good. Okay, I want on the binary. I'm gonna I'm just gonna pitch some like different concepts that they could have used to Metal Gear Solid <laughs> 4. I just want you to tell me whether they work or whether they don't, okay? Uh-huh. Um uh Solid Snake trapped in a lift and he's run out of sandwiches. <laughs> Bad. Okay. Uh, Revolver Ocelot is uh, on a boat and um, he shoots a hole in it and he has to try and plug it up. Is he practicing his his twirls? He's practicing his twirls and uh, the boat is called uh, something that becomes an anagram of Patriot (laughs) later on. (laughs) That's good. Is that good? That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um... Everybody in the world owns at least one nuclear weapon. <laughs> Good. 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 That that would be a thing if they had like mini that was part of the sci fi future is that everyone it was like a, a, a critique of the American Second Amendment. Everyone has a small tactical nuke that fits in their pocket as uh self protection. Eva, big boss, Sigin, paramedic, major zero uh, the boss um, and nine other characters have been physically stitched together into one enormous <laughs> Frankenstein-esque uh, monster which um, has to be destroyed good but I also I want a codex scene where you're talking to each of them and it's showing their faces and then the big reveal is the music changes and it zooms out. <laughs> and then it leads into the into the boss fight. That's what I want. Okay, that would be quite good. Uh, okay, uh, I'm trying to think of one more now. Um, okay, uh, PMCs finance an endless series of wars in order to make profit. But all of the wars are fought between uh, animals with little guns strapped to them. <laughs> So there's like actually a, snake. What are some of the names? There's like raven, yeah, like raven, um, octopus, octopus. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that would be that would be adorable. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on how it ends. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, all this and more in OK Hero, uh, the new book. 
that we're releasing in the very near future. You can go to okheroebook.tumblr.com to see more information. And one last question that occurred oh, to me. Oh, go on. And this is uh, this will sound like rough or something, but it's part of the game. Snake at the very end puts a pistol in his mouth after he's won and he's kind of disappeared and everyone's celebrating. He does that, yeah. He puts he leans down, he puts a pistol in his mouth mm. and it's very slow and I think quite a powerful moment and disturbing. Um he kind of like gags and it's like you hear the sound of the metal on teeth and it's very like I don't know. I think it's one of the better done moments in the game. And then there's a gunshot and the controller rumbles and the credits start. If the game had ended there, would you have a higher opinion of it? No. I wouldn't necessarily have a lower opinion of it. It wouldn't be enough to compensate no. for it. No. I think it would color my impression of the game more. I think if they had done that if they had gone through with that i would be more forgiving of a lot of the other indulgent stuff they do in this game but i'm 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 very confident that had they done that they would have brought him back in another game i i I, they they can't kill anybody like these games can't kill anyone they just can't let anybody go naomi's back vamp's back zero's back big boss is back he'd be back he would be back, so, so they may as well just let him live in this one because they they'd find some way to revive him, um, even if he'd shot himself in the in the head in his solid head. Um, sorry, old head. Uh, <laughs> so now it wouldn't really have done much for me, but I see your point. I think it would have given a little more kind of conviction and sort of finality without a lot of talking you know they could have actually done quite a lot of closure with just that image but they didn't so yeah okay sorry i that just popped in my head as one thing that sticks out to me from that game especially with like the menu Mm. that's that's the second piece of memorable music i think in this game is the menu music Mm. where he's standing in the graveyard Mm. anyway uh, yeah, uh, sorry, OK Hero Book. Was that what I was talking about? OKHeroBook.tumblr.com for more information. Or you can follow us at BulletPointsVG on Twitter. You can follow uh, myself at Most Sincerely Ed. I'm currently back on Twitter at the moment. Uh, read your at Reed MacArthur, I, I've heard. Yeah, but I'm going to change it next week to. Uh, old MacArthur. Oh, old, old MacArthur. Old MacArthur had a farm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have uh, articles published regularly on bulletpointsmonthly.com. We are currently finishing up our month on Anthem. We are going to be doing From Software's Sekiro, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice next month. And you can listen to other episodes of, the po- of this podcast, including other episodes on the other Metal Gear Solid games, at bulletpointspodcast.com. And if you like all of the things that we do here, you can go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points and help us keep the lights on by donating whatever you can. Um, You can also just share these links around, talk about us on Twitter, whether it would be complimentarily or defamatorily. That's fine. All publicity is good publicity. So that's us. You can't just say that. You can. What if someone said something really rude to you? (laughs) 
Oh, that happens regularly. <laughs> no, I, one, I, I'm, no one I'm ever says like anything rude to me on the internet. Do you know that? I've never gotten a, a hateful... Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, yeah, you have. Of course, I'm joking. It's oh, constant. sorry. Fucking... God, you that was very... You were very deadpan now. I thought you were being serious. Yeah, because writing on the internet has made me sociopathically divorced from my <laughs> real sincere emotions. No, like, when people say they like something, especially something from bullet points, it's... Uh, it's uh, it feels nice. It feels like oh, people are are reading this. That's great. It's good fun, isn't it? It's a lot better than yeah, the usual torrent of typed excrement that kind of is funneled toward everything put on the internet. Indeed. Right. Well, that's us for this episode. We'll be back soon with another episode on Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, followed by an episode on Metal Gear Solid Five. Colon. The the well, Metal Gear Solid V colon TPP. Uh, <laughs> until then, I've been Ed Smith. Reed. I've been Ryden McCarter. <laughs> Ryden McCarter. Re- Reiden. Reiden McCarter. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and we will be back soon. And thank you all to. For no, not not to. Thank you all for <laughs> listening. For listening. Prepositions. Thank you all for listening. Bye bye.